Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Paragon Sports Consulting Podcast. My name is Colby Drost. I'm the president and founder. Paragon Sports Consulting is a player advising firm helping players of the ages of 14 through 20 navigate their path to college hockey. Today, we have a special, unique guest. Um, we have Dr. Tyrone C. Black. Uh, Tyrone has uh, 20 years of uh, experience in the classroom and administrative uh, roles, uh, in, both a, in both secondary and higher education. Um, he's worked at schools and prep schools like uh, Roger Williams University, uh, University of New Haven, uh, Huntington Group as a executive recruiter and associate, uh, even roles at schools like Cheshire Academy, Quinnipiac University, um, and even at the Worcester School in Danbury, Connecticut, um, and in between all that, uh, as well as at Goodwin University. Um, and we'll let uh, Dr. Black touch on his experience in depth. But uh, before we get there, I mean, how are things going? Um, and also, how is your uh, new venture in uh, your, your company that you could touch on? Hey, uh, thanks so much, uh, Colby. First, I just want to say thank you for this invitation. And, uh, you know, uh, being a part or really pursuing this venture uh, is really a passion of mine because uh, I've worked with so many different students, obviously, at prep schools, being the head of college guidance and working with students, both students who are postgraduate students, working with athletes going division one, also division three, um, and clearly working with a lot of students from the urban communities where they don't necessarily have guidance counselors who have the time to assist them. So in, in realizing that I basically pursued um, starting my own college counseling uh, consulting firm that, uh, that gave me sort of this uh, ability to sort of stretch my arms a little bit to help students to maximize their application college process so they can get into the best possible school that they can. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I mean, maybe touch on, and, and I've got a, a bunch of questions for you that I think usually we have a lot of hockey coaches and scouts and recruiters. And, you know, I, oh, parents are always curious about the academic component as their kids maybe switch high schools or, or looking at different types of high school options or opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, maybe touch on, on your company and, and, again, what it exactly does as far as is it dealing with test preparation, strengthening transcripts, um, where is it located and, and try to, you know, give us that way of the land. Sure, sure. So our, so T. Carlton Educational Consulting, um, we are a residential college guidance service offering college-bound students, uh, specifically grades nine through 12. And we also work with postgraduate students and we give them sort of an ongoing college counseling seminars and classes. Um, and then we also really work with the students to maximize the college admissions interview, um, you know, how to find the right college that, that fits. We sort of a SAT, PSAT, ACT uh, comparison and, and uh, prepping for that, self-evaluations. We also work with students on the NCAA eligibility process, financial aid, scholarships, um, how to, um, you know, make the best of your resume. Um, and we're located, I'm so thankful um, in, in all the years I wanted to find a space where we can do this, but we're located in Stafford Springs, Connecticut. And in 2019, uh, I purchased a, the historic Penny School. So it's a 17 uh, room former elementary school, sort of the Victorian style. And we're able to not only have seminars and classes at the same time while we can actually board 
up to seven students at a time in our facility. So students can actually stay there for seven days and get everything done from applications to resumes and then leave on a Saturday with everything being done. That's awesome. I don't think it's pretty unique too. I, I mean, are there many uh, companies doing what you guys are doing? No, no, not at all. And that's why I was like, yes, you know, this is great. Uh, it, it really helps us to sort of be that unique approach to the process. And I think what we, what we really wanted to do is if, if you, you know, when you're working with a student, there's so many distractions, you know, a student meets with you and then you send them home with a to-do list, you know, things are going to happen. They're not necessarily going to meet that deadline that you gave them because, you know, they have just things happening, friends coming over. But if you, if you drop your child off at our facility and you say, hey, drop me off on a Sunday, I'm picking you up on a Saturday and everything's going to be done, you're pretty much focusing those seven days on getting your stuff done and really, really understanding the process and taking ownership because, you know, I always tell students when we begin, I have my degrees. I'm not, I'm not going back to school, but, my, <laughs> but you are in charge of this process. So the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. So that's why we, we really love having the boarding piece. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, and obviously, just before we get into these questions, as we go as, with this conversation, just people understand, like, you know, obviously, you have, you have an ex, uh, expertise and, and obviously kids, uh, again, strengthening their transcripts and test scores and when you've gone through this process, you've been on both sides of it. So I think it's it's going to be a great, unique perspective. Um, I think before we even get into that stuff, I'd be interested in hearing, again, this is a pretty general question, and I know every kid is very different, but parents today, I mean, especially in the sport of hockey, which which is this, that drives this podcast, you know, are confronted with the decision of where do we, you know, we send our kids to this hockey program or that hockey program. What would be some, again, there's probably a hundred, but some important things you would throw at parents when they're considering, is our kid ready for online high school? Should he be in a brick and mortar public school? Maybe he's going to change public schools or, or should we really be looking at prep school? I mean, what, what kind of pointers could you give the parents when they're considering all those different options? So I, I think there's, there, there are a few things here. You know, if we look at online, because right now I think a lot of families are thinking remote working is online working and to an extent it is uh, but there's also that um, synchronous and asynchronous uh, working where you still have peers uh, people that you can actually bounce ideas off of when you when you when you choose to look for either an online program or prep school or continue at your public school I think you need to decide what kind of a learner your, your son or daughter actually is? Are they independent thinking? Um, are they the, the individual? Are they sort of the student that thrives off of um, achievement, accolades, um, like getting sort of the, 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 the teacher saying certain things to them, having that interaction with them? So um, I've had families who have looked at online and I always say to them, it's all about time management. If your, your child is not good with time management, it may really sound like a great idea that they can work at their own pace, that don't really have someone sort of breathing down their neck and giving them deadlines. But at the same time, when you're in a high school, those are really, really important. If your child is self-motivated and self-driven um, 
then online might be the way, you know, they can, they, they know exactly what they're wanting. They know exactly how to get things done. They set their own timeline. They set their own deadlines. Um, they're not often, they, 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 when they do independent work, um, some students aren't driven to work in groups with other people. Uh, they like projects uh, by themselves. That's an online kid. But if a student is looking for the social piece, the balance of the social with the academic, they wanna be able to be in the classroom where the teacher knows who they are, the teacher understands their weaknesses in learning, um, and or they see a, a glimpse of light in a specific discipline and they can feed them more research opportunities and feed them more opportunities to do internships. Then, then they should look for going to a school. Let's be mindful also that there are different types of prep schools. There are prep schools that also mirror a lot of colleges. There are prep schools where students who are very driven, it is about the grade, it is about competition. It, it's, and, and everyone in that environment thrives off of being challenged significantly. But then there are other schools where they take a more a different approach to academics, where it's a little bit more reflective. Um, it's a little bit more about writing and expression. Um, and it's not about the APs and it's not about the honors level, but it's about being a, uh, transforming yourself into a lifelong learner. So I think families need to do an assessment and an evaluation of what kind of a learner is my child. And if my child is one way or the other, then the decision is on the table to choose the best option for them to succeed. Because whatever they do, wherever they do that kind of work will pretty much dictate the kind of college they're going to search for. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think, especially in the sport of hockey, a lot of parents are, again, most are, are considering all factors, but some, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, they're just making decisions on, on the hockey program and, and the academic piece sometimes gets lost and, and everything you hit on as far as making a decision for what, where the kid's going to possibly succeed and considering that stuff is, is huge. Um, I think moving in, I think we'll get into each of those different options. And I know there's even more, but, you know, we, we're, we're trying to keep this podcast under an hour. So I think when we, if we get into online, so online high school, it's a huge piece of hockey today. Um, you know, we have even on, you know, there's a, there's a, a hockey TV where hockey games are broadcast online for parents and scouts and stuff. And we have advertisements from like Apex Learning and, you know, you go to some league websites and they have sponsorship from Connections Academy and, you know, Laurel Springs and the list goes on. You know, obviously every kid is very different. But what do you think should be some important kind of bullet points when you are considering online high school programs and you're comparing them? Um, what advice would you have for parents when it comes to that? Well, the first thing is, is that program accredited? <laughs> that's, the, sure. that's, yeah. that's, that's a really big one. Um, it, it, you know, if you Google it, you will see this long line of, of online high schools, um, but some of them are not accredited or the accreditation that they do have sometimes may not be recognized by some of the different tier colleges that are out there. So we have to be aware of that and we have to make sure that uh, families do their research on the type of accreditation that they do have. Um, also too, they have to sort of see the curriculum that's available to them. Uh, some of them allow students to create their own kinds of courses and others have a more specific 
more in alignment with some of the um, traditional high school experiences where you're taking um, so the uh, in sequential order of the types of math courses and, and, and sciences and English courses. Um, but, they, but, but the thing that they need to be aware is that again, if they're looking at specific types of online programs um, beyond the accreditation, what's, what courses are available and do those courses align with the NCAA eligibility? Because when you're a guidance counselor on, on the back end, you're constantly feeding into the eligibility, the clearinghouse, you're feeding certain types of courses so that the student can clear. That's the guidance counselor's responsibility. Sometimes the programs that are online, it's a little bit different. And a parent needs to research who's going to be uploading this information and, and sort of uh, representing my student when it's time for those courses to be recognized by the coaches and, the, uh, and, and whoever's looking through the clearinghouse to recruit my student. Um, those are really, really important pieces. And I think people tend to overlook that piece. Um, also too, when you're looking at, at, at online, um, I'm not sure if you want me to share this, but be aware of how much it costs. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just be aware because, you know, if you're going to go to a, uh, a, a public school, we already know what that's going to cost because that's sure. already included. Uh, if you go to a prep school, there's different reasons why, but if you actually take credit by credit, and calculate how much you're paying per credit, you might find as a parent, you're actually paying more for an online program than you would if you were just going per credit for credit at a prep school. Because remember the prep school is also inclusive of a lot of other things, but if you just do credit for credit, check that out. Parents should really see how much does it cost per year for this high school plan um, also, you know, what are the costs for the books and the computer resources um, versus, you know, everything that's at a private school is sometimes, as we say, it's all inclusive. Yeah, and I think another point to that, to, to bring the hockey piece to it is a lot of the, the academies or the programs that offer, you know, it's an online option and then there's training and then it's the hockey program. These programs end up being this is with the online in there, but they could be 20 to 30,000 a year. Right. So yes, yes. now you're, you're talking about, you know, obviously it depends what the kid is looking for in the family, but you know, you could maybe still end up going to a pretty good high school or prep school program and, and paying the same thing, right. Where it's all inclusive, Exactly. you know, exactly. Um, so exactly. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and also too, the family should also realize that whether they want to admit it or not, when you're doing an online high school experience, colleges will look at you as being homeschooled, period. Sure. And, and so, LA does too, right? I mean, now they consider it online, but I mean, it's basically, it's like a homeschool section. You're, you're, there's a homeschool section. And, um, and then who is, who is, um, who's going to be the awarding institution and what kind of a, of a diploma, who's giving that to you? Because I have had some students in the past who have done online programs. Uh, and once they went through the program, um, it was really, they didn't really realize that they were 
what do I check off? This school is not on the list of schools on the common app or, you know, on the, or the coalition, where do I check that up? Well, son or daughter, no, it's not going to be on there. You want to check off that you were homeschooled. And I, and, and to bring it full circle on that accreditation thing, I, I've had not people that have worked with me, but people in the past, hockey programs I've worked at, you know, horror stories of them, you know, their kids, 19, 20, ready to go to college. And they're finding out that, you know, the online school wanted one, it wasn't accredited Two, there's no one to get in touch with anymore because maybe they're out of business or just it's a yep. different identity. Um, yep. so, so it's really important that the that parents are doing their research on that. Um, I think last point on the online school, and obviously if there's anything else you want to add to it, is kind of throwing it at the kids. I mean, obviously if parents make that decision that they're okay with their kid embarking on that path, that's mm-hmm. great. But what are some things if you, you know, you're having a conversation with a student athlete that said, hey, great, your, your parents want to support you, whether you go public school, prep school, online, you know, they're going to let you do online here. You know, what are some things that they really need to think about, you know, that that they can take responsibility to know, like, hey, I, I can do this, right? My time management, whatever. Um, what are some things that they need to make sure that they take care of on their end if they're going to, you know, take on online high school? Well, if the student is going to, you're, you're talking about what can the student do? Yeah, like what, what do they need to, um, I guess, think about in terms of, you know, hey, if you're going to do online school, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. Like, am I ready to manage my time? Am I ready to be proactive because I don't have a teacher maybe at, uh, as a resource in a regular school where there's study hours or I can go to their class after school? Like, what are some things that they need to, I guess, accept or realize on their end? Well, once it's time for them to do the application, they need to just start thinking like, okay, if I were in high school uh, with a traditional setting, I would at this particular point in time start finding either my math or science teacher and my history or English teacher to write my recommendation when it's time for me to apply to college. Um, who am I going to ask from academics uh, to write that, to speak on my level of critical thinking skills or to speak about my quantitative skills um, because if I'm doing an on, online program, I don't have some, I don't have anyone to do that. Um, maybe I may have a tutor um, who's helping me along in specific areas. Do I get the tutor to write that? You could, but it's not the same because the tutor is not the one giving you the assignments. Um, and so there's, there's, the, there's a pro about being in high school. The other thing too, is that what were the other things that you were actually doing? I know if you're an athlete, you know, when you're thinking about going off to college to, to play, depending on if you're whatever division, well, what other things were you doing outside of athletics that shows that you are ex- extremely well-rounded individual? You have opportunities to be a part of clubs and organizations outside of athletics. If you're in a traditional setting, if you're in an online setting, when you get to that application I think it's like page five or so on the application. Uh, It says, what activities have you done and what leadership roles do you have? That's not gonna happen when you're online. Um, And and, and the leadership opportunities definitely is not gonna happen. And those are big pieces. Um, I, I mean, unless you're doing things outside of and you're supplementing your experience by doing things outside, which could show the college that you're really, really uh, a mature individual who who is ambitiously seeking opportunities, but let's just be real. Most of our students, most high school students, um, 
are given a foundation by the by the by the actual institution that gives them opportunities to become those leaders. When you're online, you're the one creating those opportunities, which is almost double work. Um, so the, I think the the student and the parent just needs to realize there's a lot more being given to you by these high schools where you can just say yes or no, I accept it or I don't, I want to be a leader and I can, and I can take these types of courses and I have the relationship with these XYZ faculty members who are gonna write my recommendation. Um, but when I'm in an online experience, I'm probably not gonna have that. If you're okay with that and you're, and you're the kind of student who just wants to go to a larger university where some of those things are not necessarily gonna come into significant play, then you then go for it with the online. Yeah, and I've also, good point on the recommendations. I've actually had kids, again, from the past, they've actually had issues tracking down teacher recommendations from online programs. So mm -hmm. I think even early on, you know, obviously college for some players was way off, but I mean, maybe just have those written, right? Like you get done with the course, just, just have it and file it away, right? So. Mm -hmm. um, you're not, hey, I can't get a recommendation or gonna do it through a tutor, like you said, like you said, about the same. So yes. all really good, valid points. Um, I think transitioning into a different setting, and obviously you've worked at some prep schools, um, and obviously it's a huge um, uh, option for kids uh, to play hockey, continue their development. Um, again, very different. It's like apples and oranges. But talk about you know your your experience in the prep school setting and. Again, you've touched on some of those benefits of it kind of being a vessel or one one stop shop to kind of, depending on how much the kid wants to take advantage of, never mind just on the ice or in the classroom. But what were some advantages that you saw day to day in kids growing over, you know, whether it was a year or four or sometimes five years, you know, that you saw in their personal growth? So, um, so I'm a product of a of a prep school uh, education, and sure. I actually went to a prep school that was very big in hockey. Um, and so I got a chance to, th I think that is what attracted me to want to work in prep schools uh, because I just felt that the experience that I had in a prep school was, was beyond the classroom. Uh, you know, I was challenged to think differently and how to approach things differently um, and whether philosophically or, uh, you know, spiritually, I was given that opportunity, but working so the prep schools that I worked at were very different. Um, when you look at Cheshire Academy and, and you look at Worcester, um, the differences between the two um, is that Cheshire had a fairly large athletic component. Um, and when as a guy, head of college counseling at Cheshire, um, many of those students were considering division one level schools or colleges. Um, so they had different levels where students would come in from ninth grade and they would work through the four years. Then you had students who would come in as postgraduates, which we, you know, consider to be sort of a 13th grade, if you will, in between the 12th and freshman year of college. Um, we also had some students who considered coming to uh, uh, the, the prep school and they we always said to a student, if you decide that you're going to transfer from another school into a prep school, especially in your junior year, we're going to probably ask you to repeat your junior year because then it gives the colleges an opportunity to see a full year 
after your transition. Uh, so, you know, a lot of students want to come in in their senior year, and I don't think that's a great, great idea because when you actually start applying to colleges, you're only going to have either a quarter or, or maybe a semester under your belt when you apply. And what I like about the prep schools is that they take that very seriously and they really take that into consideration when you're applying. And when they realize that you want to go to a certain level tiered school, then they're probably going to say, well, we're excited that you're a, a junior and you're finishing up your junior year, but we're going to require you or strongly suggest that you repeat your junior year so that you can actually have a full year under your belt to show how you've acclimated and how you have changed and transitioned. Um, prep schools, again, are very different. Many of them have job responsibilities, you know, chores. Um, they give you, if you come in as a freshman, you have more opportunities to grow into leadership roles. You know, working at Worcester, which is a great school, you, you will find yourself that it, it, a student could come in as a sophomore or a junior but it makes it easier for the student to take on leadership roles if they start from the beginning because then they have a better understanding of the ethos and mission of the institution. Um, and then you, you then understand why you are doing or have the roles that you have once you are a junior. Um, parents, when they're looking at these prep schools, they are, they, they are, as well as the student, are fully buying into not just being a part of the classroom, but those are, that's a family experience. Um, and, and, and that is a trueness to the historical aspect of the entire institution of, of, of independent schools. No, very good points. And I think just to touch on the repeating um, piece as far as uh, grades uh, or classes go, when, when kids are, so you know, again, hockey players especially, they go in, a majority of them do repeat. So whether it's sophomore year, junior year, um, sometimes we see postgrads or, or seniors or one year, but it's very rare. You know, when uh, whether it's a, a very high academic profile student or just an average student, you know, what are some things when they're meeting with their academic counselor for the first time to kind of lay out a plan? Again, I know every kid's different, but what would be some pointers when you are repeating a grade? I think for some parents, it's foreign, where mm -hmm. you know, it's first of all, our kids going to take a couple of the same classes you just took, or Maybe touch on the benefit of that. I mean, obviously, what are some things they should look at when they're planning ahead or, or their courses and, and repeating a, a grade that they just took? Um, what, would some, what kind of advice would you have for that? I would say when students are looking at which courses to take and enroll in, it's play to your strength. Definitely play to your strength. Remind yourself why you're in a prep school. Something, not always something went wrong at your previous school, but why, but you are looking for something to go hopefully right uh, at this prep school. So play to your strengths. So if you are not a strong math student and you are enrolling in a prep school and when, wherever you left, you have taken the traditional three years and you are at algebra two. When you come, think about, do you want to take calculus? Because in this world of independent schools, there's a good number of students who are already in calculus. Or do you want to, because if you're not strong, why take the calculus course? So take the pre-calculus course um, because that will be an option for you. 
um, if, if, you're, if you've already taken your junior level English course and you had an A right before you left, maybe you might want to consider taking a different level uh, as an AP level. Maybe you might want to take an honors level. Uh, when, the thing is, is that remind yourself, play to your strength. Um, don't overwhelm yourself because eventually you will be a part of the college process, which can be quite consuming. Um, I, when, I would, when I was working at a prep school, I actually taught a PG seminar. And the course itself basically helped students become stronger writers. If a student is, is at a prep school because they wanna get into a really higher level college, chances are that college is really big on writing. Enroll in courses where you can learn how to strengthen uh, your rhetoric, learn how to strengthen your, your, your ability to annotate, um, learn how to strengthen your ability to actually know how to do research. Um, but, but I can tell you that there are a lot of students who do come in. And if you have been in certain high schools where you, you know, you were probably the, one of the better students on the higher level to top 20%. And you probably were kind of cruising along. Prep schools are just one step underneath a college education. And they're going to stretch you. And they're going to have expectations for that, for you to be able to perform. But remind yourself, because that's going to happen, put the appropriate courses that can help you get your GPA up while at the same time strengthening your skill set. Don't come in and overwhelm yourself and, 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 and take courses that are a little beyond you because then the colleges, when it's time for them to, to, to review your application, will look at your transcript and sort of see a train wreck on there. And they will ask the question, well, when you enrolled at the school, um, you took in a significant jump from your previous academic record and then you, you kind of fell. What happened here? Well, you, you shot too high. Play to your strength. Great advice for sure. I think building off that as far as the transcript goes, I mean, we, we typically get, there's obviously a lot of kids that are, that are high achievers and when it comes to academics. Um, what kind of advice would you have for those parents that are trying to obviously put their kid in the best situation? And even if you're recruited as a student athlete or hockey player, you know, it's a little bit, it's obviously a little bit different recruiting process when you're talking about, you know, the Harvards and the Yales and the Princetons. Um, what are some things that they can keep in mind, whether they're at a traditional high school or, or prep school program? Um, are they looking at progression of that transcript as far as the students challenging themselves and obviously doing well? But is there anything that, from your experience, that you could suggest as uh, some advice? Such a great question, and you know what? I have a, I, I'm having a flashback of angry, <laughs> of angry <laughs> parents, <laughs> um, and and who 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 don't sometimes, not all, who do not listen to you uh, in the beginning of the high school experience. So when colleges look at your transcript, what they'll do is they'll take your transcript and put it to the side. And they'll see the kinds of courses and the progression of courses that you've taken over the four or three or whatever number of years you've taken, or you were at that particular school. Then they're gonna pull out the high school profile and they're gonna see what is the 
what's the most rigorous program a student can take? How many APs, how many IB level courses, how many honors courses, how many college level college prep courses are offered at that high school? They, you know, and it'll, it'll basically say, this is our highest level program here. This is our next level and so on and so on. Then they're gonna look back at the transcript and they're going to say to see, try to see how much did this student challenge themselves? If the school offers, you know, I'm gonna just hypothetically make up a number. Sure. If the school offers 15 AP level courses and 14 honors level courses, and you're a junior and you've only taken one honors and you have a straight A's, then the college is pretty, I mean, I think we can all figure out what's gonna happen here. The college will say, did you take the most rigorous program? Because you clearly have the aptitude and the ability to achieve at a high level. And you only, in, in three years, you've only taken one honors, not even an AP. Um, and then let's move into the senior year. Now you have another honors, but no AP, and you have straight A's. The college is gonna say, you know, some of them will say, you, you seem like a bright person, but I think you're lazy. And you want to go to a, a, a college or university that has a 10 or 5% acceptance rate. I don't think that you're ready for what's gonna happen when you get here at XYZ University because you didn't challenge yourself. You know, a, a family would ask the question, should my son or daughter take an AP math course, AP calc course, and get a B, or should they take the regular calc course and get an A? It depends on the school. I know that there are some schools and the parents need to know that. Not every school is gonna answer this question the same way. So there are some colleges, uh, one in particular in the top of my head right now, who I'm very close with their admissions office, they will answer that question in the following way. They will say, take the AP calc and get an A. It's not even one of the options that, of the response. <laughs> they, will, they will say, if you wanna come here, you're gonna take the AP Calc course and you're gonna get an A because everyone that's applying is getting an A and an AP Calc course. Um, that's an eye opener for families and it's pretty sobering. Uh, so they, the parents and the student, they need to look at what is the most rigorous program that I can actually handle, that I won't be overwhelmed, but I don't wanna look like I'm lazy. Um, and while I'm taking these courses, um, I, I think, Colby, one of the things that can be a little frustrating for parents is that there's a difference between I can't and I won't. And parents filter oftentimes what the child is saying. When the child comes to them and says that I can't do this, then we have to, then they have to say to themselves, is it, is it beyond them or is the student not um, really taking advantage of the resources of meeting with the faculty and meeting with the tutor, whomever, to be able to understand concepts and different things. It, nothing comes easy. And, and if your son or daughter 
specifically on the transcript, if the son or daughter just wants to get by and get a high GPA, then they need to start thinking about different tier level schools because it's a lot more once you're into a college than just having the A that gets you in. You have to have some substance behind you that will show on the types of courses that you took. I had a student, not to prolong the conversation, but I actually had a student who was a straight A. The school that I worked at had, I think, 16 AP level courses. The student had taken like 13 of them and, and had maxed out um, in the math area and, in, and, and, and took, was taking double English. The student loved learning so much that he took, um, it was an AP physics course, which was kind of the toughest AP level course at the school. He took the AP level course, but he knew he wouldn't get an A, but he loved the professor and he absolutely loved learning. He ended up getting a C plus in the course. Some parents would flip out because that just mars the transcript. But the student actually got into Swarthmore because he wrote his essay on his love of learning, which is why he took that course, because he didn't care what the grade was. But if you ask him anything about the experience in the class, he could probably out-talk any person with an A because it, he's just such a learner. So if, if people can see how that works, it, it's, it, that kid had the aptitude and the ability, got a C, but when he wrote his essays and the transcript came out and, the, and Swarthmore being one of the top five liberal arts colleges, they could see that the kid actually enjoys learning at the cost of a grade. I think that's, I mean, you hit the nail on the head as far as all that experience and advice and what you had to offer in terms of that. I think some of that gets lost in all of it. You know, some mm -hmm. people think, oh, just go through it. He's got all the A's, but there's just so much more that, it tells about the person, right, and, and the mm -hmm. kid and what he's looking to do. Um, it, it, sometimes it's it's removing that gaming the system kind of a, a perspective, right, to it. Mm -hmm. You, you got to just kind of challenge yourself and put in the effort. And I think go, building off of all, kind of everything we've talked about so far, um, I think one thing that's interesting is whether it's online high school, regular public schools, prep schools, we find a lot of students these days are, they're having to jump to high school. I mean, I, have, I know players that go to four different high schools in four years. Um, and, and for some, it's one for four and two or three, depending on what their path of their career looks like. For kids like that, whether, again, take, is it online, prep school, public school? If you're changing high schools that many times, what are what would be some pointers, I guess, in terms of, you know, when you're trying to build your transcript still and push the ball forward, whether again, whether you're average or high achiever, what are some important things for parents uh, to keep in mind as they're changing counselors and college counselors and things like that? Um, you know, what, what kind of advice would you have for that? Uh, well, it's all about the uh, progression of, of course uh, ability, uh, being able to perform in the classroom. You know, colleges, there's like this chilling sensation that goes over an admissions officer's body when they see that you've been to multiple schools. Uh, because in their head, will you repeat the same pattern when you come there? You know, no one, no college wants you to transfer sure. uh, at all. They, they're making an investment in you and offering you a space that they believe you are actually going to take it 
and stay there and become an alumnus of the institution. So I think when you have a, a student with um, multiple parts of your transcript that are from different schools, the student needs to be as transparent as possible. Why did you move so many times? Was it something, was your, were your parents moving? You, uh, you were, someone's in the military, um, you know, were you trying to uh, find the school where you could be academically challenged? Um, that's a question that you take advantage of on that one section of the common application or whatever application, but there's always that section that says, is there anything you'd like to share more or more in depthly about your transcript? Yes, I'd like to address the multiple times that I've moved. Um, and, and then you will also see, hopefully, that the student everywhere they went, their grades got better and better. A lot of times it's social. You know, I moved because I was trying to find the right social environment. Um, or and, and be honest about it. I, I, I move because the classroom sizes are too large. Uh, but, be, be, but be wise about that because if you move because you wanted smaller classrooms, but now you're applying, you're applying to Rutgers or you're applying to Ohio State where the, <laughs> that's not going to fly. Um, but, but the student needs to hit that. Do not allow the colleges to come up with their own reasoning why you've moved so much. Put it right out there. I know you automatically, you already see that I've moved, you know, six times over a period of three years. Um, this is the reason why. More than willing to talk about it. If you'd like to talk in, uh, in, uh, in person about it, uh, because that will always, 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 um, always help the student in the long run. Yeah, I think that's great advice, especially to bring in the hockey component to it. I mean kids are moving typically because of hockey programs and they're recruited and they have to go play in Michigan or Boston or wherever. Um, so I think what you've kind of touched on aligns with that piece. I guess one follow-up question on that is, I think you hit on it. At the end of the day, performance is what matters, right? So if you're doing well, whether you're in four different high schools over your career, you know, is there any advice though as far as piecing together, you know, you're going to go to different schools where they, some are maybe rated or ranked higher, lower, is there anything to be, I guess, um, I guess concerned or aware about when you are in maybe two or three different high schools and, and you're piecing together courses throughout that time, like any, like again, any advice there or anything, like should they talk to someone like yourself that's kind of neutral, that has no, uh, I guess, interest in the high school they're gonna be attending, that you can kind of look at everything and, and say, hey, you got to take this or that next year, wherever you are, because, you know, you went to these two different high schools and we want to strengthen your transcript. Is there any, I guess, truth to something like that as far as looking ahead or just kind of planning that they're going to be attending yeah. multiple schools? Yeah, most definitely. What you want is, you know, I always, I always welcome families to sort of sit with me, bring the transcript, and then I sit down with them. And, and typically what I'll do is I will actually call a dean of a school um, where they may not even be considering and sort of say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scan something. I just would like to get your take on this. Um, this is what I love. That's why I love what I do, because there's no skin off my back for, for calling that dean. Um, there's, 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 there's no negative 
um, repercussions for connecting with that admissions vice president or whatever, because that's why they do what they do. And they, and they enjoy when you actually call them um, to get their advice, because who better to give that advice than the actual dean of admissions at a particular school? No, sure. That's, that makes perfect sense. And I think, like I said, parents, when they're planning or that uh, kids are going to be, you know, transitioning or switching schools, like it's all about preparation, right? Like you mm -hmm. said about the online school, the prep schools, what their kids all about. Um, I think that's all really good advice. And, and like you said, you got to take a deep look in the mirror to see what you're ready for and things like that. Exactly. I think one, one other piece, obviously, uh, obviously parents, I think, get overwhelmed or worried about again we're going through a unique year where a lot of schools have become test optional and mm -hmm. i'll be curious to see how that kind of when things get normal what that looks like um and maybe you have some insight on that but you know i think touch on one i guess there's two parts of this um one is we have kids that go through high school typically college hockey players aren't getting to college so they're 20 years old mm -hmm. so some people say you know what the testing isn't a priority right now during my senior year, junior year. So I'm not really going to embark on that preparation. Um, and they kind of wait till they're 19, 20. Um, so I guess one for the traditional kid who's going to take it while they're in high school, you know, what kind of preparation or, or advice would you have for them to kind of get the most out of their test score? Um, and I think follow up to that is then is if you're, if you're going to wait till you're 19, 20 to take it, so you're actually going to be applying to schools when you're recruited as a student athlete to play college hockey, um, I guess what could, I guess if anything different, what, your, what would your advice be for those uh, older kids? Well, I would tell the older kids to remind yourself out of sight, out of mind. Um, if you decide to wait to take the standardized either ACT or SAT, remember these are subject-based. These are testing you on sort of your, your reading, your English um, and your math skills and your writing skills and some component. Um, so just be aware that if, if, I always tell students, after you've taken a certain level math, take the standardized test because the information that you just learned is probably gonna be on that test. And then it's fresh in your mind. Um, you know, if you ask me to sit down right now and I'm, it's out of sight, out of mind. And if I sat down to take the SAT, I wouldn't yeah. probably get into any college ever. Um, because I haven't been exercising that, that skill set, that, that, that knowledge base. Um, so I would say to those who are, so if a student is looking to be recruited for hockey and, and, and they're in the mindset of, I'm going to wait till later, I would say to them first, before you decide to wait, um, if you're at the point of a junior or whatever the case, because I, you know, if you're at a point where you can actually take the test, take it right after you've taken the actual academic course of whatever was in the classroom, whether it's algebra one, not say algebra one, if it's algebra two or geometry or whatever you've done in your English courses, take it right then. Because then if you take it, you're probably gonna score higher than sit on them. Then just sit on them for a little bit and then continue on in your, your high school experience. And then at least you know what you're working with. Then you can choose, you know what, I did really well in my ACT versus the SAT. Just choose, choose whichever test you think is gonna work to your strength. Um, but I have had students when I worked at an independent school um, and there were some students who were coming in who were older 
and they it was an it was a sad situation because they kept taking the SATs over and over and over and over and over again and and they could not break a certain um, score and they couldn't understand why and I was like it's been a long time since you've actually sat and done this this is why so parents should decide if you're going to wait and they're going to then take the SATs or ACTs a little later they have to decide is my child a tutoring type student or a class type student because there's prep one-on-one and then there's prep classes many I, I would like to believe many students who are trying to prep to get into a really strong school with a strong athletic program are better doing a one-on-one because then the person can actually hit the weakness of the student without distractions of being in the classroom. And if the student is just trying to brush up on you know, the full aspect of the test, go for the class because then it's gonna be a curriculum and then the curriculum is gonna hit everything, but may not be able to hit specific aspects of the test because they're trying to hit everyone that's in the course. Um, you know, and it's, and I always say this to athletes, get a, get a, get a, get a tutor, just get a person who can tutor you. Do not sit in a class, get a tutor because they will be able to test or do a pretest on you or they will take what you've done because you took it already because Dr. Black told you to do it earlier and sit on the test. They'll get your results. They'll see where you went wrong, what you got correct. And then that's how they're gonna prep you. No, I think you're spot on, especially with, uh, especially like to the kids that we're talking that are older, they're playing junior hockey. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're pretty much done pretty, pretty some of their days. I mean, some kids are done by two o'clock, three o'clock. And, you got plenty of time to, if you're going to, you know, prep for the test to, to do a tutor uh, sessions throughout the week of the hockey season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one other thing, I mean, again, this is just kind of, uh, I guess, a general point or maybe it's a, a misnomer, but what do you find with kids? Um, you know, they take it the first time. Is it typically the second time if they're going to score better, that's where they're going to improve? Or, or have you seen kids take it three, four or five times even and, and continue to do better? So I'm so students typically do better in their second time around, um, and then the third time. So clearly, the first time you've never done it before, so you're really just sort of dipping your toe in the water. Um, the second time you've you actually can breathe because you are not going into this test without some full prior knowledge of what how the test is designed. The third time is basically to confirm that the second scores were actually the scores. And, and normally, if you go up your third time, you could, but most of the time, you're going to be within 10 points on the SAT, uh, maybe 20 points of your second time. It's same thing with the ACT. It's the exact same thing. I always tell students, there's no reason for you to take it more than three times, uh, because after that, it just becomes overkill. Um, and, and you're just, you're, and you're beating a dead horse and you're getting frustrated because you're trying to, you know, you have a 1200, but you're trying to get a 1400 the likelihood of that happening, you must have one heck of a prep tutor who's going to be and who can pull out the sky those 200 points. It's not to say it can't happen, but the bottom line is, you know, whatever you got that second time is probably who you are for this test. No, I think that's great advice. And I think last question on the testing before we kind of bring this thing full circle and Mm -hmm. um, bring it to a close is, you know, 
again, your perspective, I mean, do you see kids that are uh, better at certain subjects or others? Do you recommend the SAT or ACT to certain kids? And what might be your reasoning? You know, should, you know, maybe this kid should take the ACT or this kid would be better off with the SAT. Is there any kind of reasoning to that or, or advice or, or suggestions on, on which test the kids should take? Well, students, this is just my, this is just one man's opinion. I sure. think students who love to read do fairly well on the SAT more than, you know, I think that's their test. If you're a reader, if you're an avid reader, you, you have a more sophisticated vocabulary um, and you think a certain way, you know, I think the SAT is your thing. Um, and also too, uh, if, if you're also a kind of person who thinks into questions a little bit more, um, oftentimes you think way too much into questions. It's definitely the SAT because there's more time given per question. Um, if you're taking the ACT, you have less time. You're quite, you know, in the English section, like there's 45, you have 45 minutes to do 75 questions. <laughs> yeah. You're just like cruising. You're not thinking, you're just responding. You're reacting. However, the language on the ACT is a little bit more um, common. It, it actually tests students where they should be, you know, where they are, um, and, and that you can actually work through the questions. But the problem again is if you think too much, and I am that kind of person, I realized that when I had to do my GREs, I think way too much. I, I'm just that kind of person. So the actual SAT was better for me, but a person who is a quick thinker, yet the, they're not necessarily a strong reader, the ACT. Well, that's, I mean, that's exactly what we were looking for. So good advice. Uh, and thank you for the suggestions on, on both testing. I think, I mean, obviously this has been really um, insightful and a lot of great uh, information on transcripts and high schools and testing and, and the college uh, process, whether it's student athletes or just in general. Um, Dr. Black, I really appreciate you coming on. I think, oh. like I said, a lot to kind of give you the last word and if parents are, are interested in having you whether it's read transcripts or college uh, counseling, um, you know, obviously if there's anything else you want to add about your company and how people can get in touch with you, um, obviously I'm happy for you to share that. Oh, thank you for this my little uh, uh, commercial break right here. Um, if, if, if families are, you know, I welcome all families and whatever the, uh, the, the, the part of the process that they need assistance. Um, I work with students from eighth grade all the way through. Um, a lot of fam believe it or not, a lot of families do hire me starting in eighth grade because what happens is we build a plan for the next four years and we kind of talk about here's the courses the kids should take if they're trying to get into this type of school. They should, this is the path that they should do. Here's the kinds of things that they're going to be looking at this school. They should be considering this level of community service and service learning experiences. Um, so if families are really interested um, in, in connecting with me, which I welcome them to do so, please just go on my website. Um, my website is T, which is my first initial, T as in Tom, uh, C as in Charlie, educational, tceducational.com. Um, and once you're on my site, it'll give you sort of a wonderful sort of a background and you'll see my face on there. And please don't run when you see my face. Uh, but you'll see a lot of different things on there. And then if you have questions, it'll take you to the, to, the, to the very last page where you can send me a little note, contact me through that. Once you send me a note through that, it'll come directly to my email. I will respond immediately and uh, would love to work with parents who are just 
or talk with parents who are just eager to just have a conversation about what should they be doing for their child. Um, uh, I've been in it a while. Uh, I love what I do. Uh, you, and, and Colby, you know I love what I do when I actually start a program in a business where our, we bring students to live together for seven days uh, mm -hmm. to take them through the process. And also too, uh, we're hoping that COVID really just kind of moves out to sea and stays there. Um, when students actually take advantage of that opportunity, we do plan a trip to visit certain colleges. That's, a, that's all inclusive in the uh, tuition for the program. No, again, I, it's it's impressive program and I'm happy. I love people that, like you said, love what you do. You're looking to help kids and help parents yes. and, and really educate them, right? Obviously you wanna see them have success. Exactly. I think that's what really drew me to you and your company and doing some research. And I hope that you and I can stay in touch. And yes, again, I, yes. really, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Colby. This has been another episode of the Paragon Sports Consulting Podcast. Really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, please follow us at Paragon Athlete on Twitter, so, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and visit our website, paragonsportsconsulting.com. Again, that's paragonsportsconsulting.com. Um, switching it up this week with a different guest. Um, excited to get back to uh, hopefully some some new uh, guests next week, maybe outside of hockey that uh, adds value to our clients and people that are just listening. Um, so stay tuned and look forward to having you guys listen.